remember really liking Luther. I remember really liking Luther. I'm glad you said that, Mike. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Filling in the Gaps. I'm Justin. I'm Darren. Here on Filling in the Gaps, we typically talk about puzzle games and puzzling movies, of which today we're going to talk about the movie Looper. Yep. Some details. Looper comes from 2012, written and directed by Ryan Johnson, who we would know from Knives Out, Episode 8, The Last Jedi, and The Brothers Bloom, which if you haven't seen, that is one I would recommend. I saw Looper first and then went back and watched Brothers Bloom. I actually think Brothers Bloom is one of his best movies and maybe just best works in general. Okay, I've never even heard of that before. What's that about? It's sort of a crime movie with brothers. Okay. It's quite interesting, I think. Has Mark Ruffalo, I believe, and Adrian Brody. All right, okay. Like I said, I would recommend that one. As far as Looper, its stats, we've got IMDb at 7.4, which is in the watchable decent range, I think. Mm -hmm. Rotten Tomato critics at 93% and the audience at 82%. It is just under two hours. Kind of surprised the, the critics. Wrong. I'm kind of surprised the critics are that high. Yeah, honestly. And 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 just to go back to what you said, it's like we've done the the, the last Jedi episode, which is infamously long. Well, we uh, no, no, we didn't. What, what, what didn't we? Was it not? No. The, oh no, we did. There was the the Phantom Menace the, that the Phantom, we yeah. went way too long. Yeah. in our first one. Last Jedi was just part of our Star Wars roundup, I believe. Ah, uh, okay, okay. Because so, I think it was just being ripped to shreds by so many people. So like, we, why, we didn't. Why bother? Yeah, why bother? I, actually, I don't know. Maybe we did. It's been so long. We've hit the point now where I am not totally sure what we have done and haven't done. I think we're over 200 videos now or something like that. It's <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like, so you just said Brothers Bloom is one of his best. It's like, we're not out to just hate on Ryan Johnson. Let's put it that way. He's, I, I like Knives Out. I thought Knives Out was pretty good. Knives Out is a lot of fun. I've watched that one a couple times. Even the second one, it's not as good, but it was still enjoyable. Mm -hmm. I don't think the mystery aspect of the second one works quite as well as the first one, but I still enjoyed it. Yeah. The characters are fun. Looper. I remember really liking Looper. I remember really liking Looper. I'm glad you said that, man. I, <laughs> I remember really liking Looper. And then I watched it for the podcast yesterday. And I was like, why did I like this? I know a bit of why I liked it. I think that it doesn't hold up as well when you start really thinking about it. That's the thing. That's what got me. And it's like, and in in the movie, and they did this in Tenet as well, and I never forgive them for that. There's not only once they say it in Tenet, but they say it twice in this film. And they're like, just don't think about it. <laughs> Bruce, Bruce Willis says it, and so does uh, so does uh, Jeff. Da is it Jeff Daniels? Uh, yeah. Jeff Daniel says it as well. So they say it twice in this film. Hey, I know none of this makes sense, but just don't think about it. And I, so that's, I think if you don't think about it, then this movie's all right. But if you do think about it, then you're in for a bad time. It has an interesting ending. I don't think it holds up now that I've actually thought about it, though. Yeah. I will say this as well. I remembered virtually nothing except that this is a time travel movie. And pretty sure that even in the trailer, they give away the basic premise of the time travel. I'm not going to give it away here because we're in our spoiler free section. But boy, once I get into it, yes, I will. For now, though, I would say it's definitely worth watching. I think that it is an entertaining movie. I think there are some good performances here. I think especially if you just like to watch stuff to watch it and you're the type of person that won't overthink it, this is a great movie. However, for me, 
I'm shocked I like this the first. So am I. <laughs> and I wonder if I've fooled myself into remembering that I liked it. Because a huge chunk of this movie, I had completely forgotten about. Major plot points that the whole movie is based around, I had completely forgotten. Mm -hmm. The only thing I really remembered was the time travel. And I think that to me is still the part that works the best. The reason for the time travel, the way that it's used as a function of the society in this world is very interesting. It's everything else that goes with it that I'm just not totally in sync with anymore, I guess, if like I ever was. Because like I said, I don't remember any of the other stuff. It was mostly the first 20 to 30 minutes when they're explaining the world that I was watching this going, yeah, I remember this. This is great. And then I hit a point where I went, I don't remember any of this stuff. <laughs> so my recall of this was not good. I really just remembered the beginning and the world building, which I quite like. And I still like that. Mm -hmm. It's just some of the other stuff I don't. It, it felt like, again, two movies smashed together. I would agree. And not in a way that on second viewing worked for me. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm just older and more cynical now. But it's pretty old and cynical in 2012. So I would have expected myself to not yeah, like it then. Older well. and cynicaler now. Maybe. Um, if you, I'd say if you want a, a good time travel Bruce Willis movie, we've got two now as well. So we've got 12 Monkeys as well, which I would recommend all this, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. But that's a Terry Gilliam film, so that's going to be more interesting in and of itself. Yeah. Artistically, story-wise, and just crazy bonker stuff that he's going to add, of course. Yeah. I would also say that. I think that that is better. And goodness knows, we've both watched a ton of time travel movies, and there's a wide range of ones that I would say are fantastic, down to absolutely terrible. This isn't there. I would say this is middle of the range, but I feel, especially second time through, it starts to fall just because, especially with this kind of movie, if the ending doesn't really work for me, then the whole movie is kind of ruined. And that's kind of how I feel about it here. Not going to give any details to why until we get into the spoiler section. I would recommend it if you can watch it on the cheap, if you can find it somewhere. It's worth watching, but keep your expectations low and just do as the characters say. Don't try to think about it too much. And I think you'll enjoy it. And, and maybe don't listen to this because obviously you and I are going to not be talking favorably once we get into it. I wrote down the word, this movie is insulting at one point, so like, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to be <laughs> The knives are out. <laughs> okay, so for those of you that are worried about spoilers, this is time for you to go away. For the rest of you that have already seen this movie or really don't care about spoilers, well, join us in a second because here it is, your spoiler warning. I love the opening. Mm -hmm. Joe, who is played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt, I, at times, may call him Young Joe versus Old Joe. I mean, we're in the spoiler section now. Joe sits on an empty field, looks at a watch, practices French. There's a tarp in front of him. He stands with a shotgun. It's not really a shotgun. They call it a blunderbuss, though it's not really a blunderbuss. No, no. It just looks like a big tube, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. A man appears with a bag on his head. Joe shoots him. Perfectly timed. He stands up just in time to fire. Yeah, it seems like all of his marks come in exactly like on the 30 dot. We have the title card. And then voiceover. Boy, did they love voiceover in this one. <laughs> Time travel was invented 30 years from now, which I was quite confused because I thought in my head and looking around at the world, I love the way this sort of dystopian future world looks. They seem to have cars from just about 2012 or older, but they've all had 
solar panels just sort of attached to them. There's a lot of the same technology, but slightly better. And my thought originally was this is sort of an alternate world. Okay. 2012 or maybe slightly into the future where the time travel had both improved things because we can have cheaper solar panels that will run all the cars and things like that, but also put a lot of people out of work because of the technology, which is why there's so much poverty. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's the case, though. On this watch, I'm pretty sure that this is meant to be 2044. Yes. And old Joe comes from 2074. Yeah. When time travel is invented or around then anyway. Mm -hmm. It seems weird that time travel was invented 30 years from now. And that exact year is when all of the future stuff happened. Yeah. It also seems very weird that time travel got invented, but the only people that use it are mafia bosses. I kind of like that, though. I don't. <laughs> you don't? Okay. No, because it doesn't make any sense. Because there would be like a CIA time travel agency. There would be the scientists who invented it. It's not like they would invent it and then disappear underground. It's just like, right off the bat, you've lost me. It's like, no. I saw a potential for a way, way different movie. Mm. Just a cool movie where... Well, we'll get into that in a minute as we go through the film. But there was so many bits where it's just like, why did you choose this? Why did you go with this rather than this other stuff that would be way cooler? <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. Mafia mafia boss time travel. Okay. All right. I'm in, I guess. To get rid of a body, though, in the future is incredibly difficult because of the police technology, apparently. So the idea is to send a person back with silver, and that is how you pay these loopers. Yeah. Which, so the cops, they just... There's all these people going missing in the future, but they can't find them. Right. The right. body is gone. I like that. That's an interesting concept. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's me wearing my tinfoil hat, but you cannot tell me that the government doesn't have their own CIA Department of Time Travel. Come on. Maybe they do. But that's what I'm talking about. This movie is missing. There's so many holes in this film that it bothers me. I understand that. I think it's a bit cleaner because of that, and I'm okay with that, but... Like I said, the first 30 minutes I'm really into, it's some stuff that comes up after that that I'm not a big fan of. But that, that let me just get this out of the way while it's in my head as well. Mm -hmm. But that's the thing is that I think people who go to watch time travel movies, or at least I just, maybe I'm out of line saying this, but people who go and watch time travel movies are there because they want to think about these things and, and imagine all the paradoxes and stuff like that. And, oh, that's, that's clever and stuff like that. Whereas this film removes all the cleverness and just is a popcorn time travel film almost. Yeah, and but there are some of those. I wouldn't say that they don't exist. So I think that this has a place. It's just maybe not for us. Mm. We are going to see him go to the diner. He's regular here, obviously, as he chats with the waitress and she asks, how's the French going? At work, he drops off the gun. There's a spot to drop your blunderbuss off. Yeah. Drop off your silver. Get some cash that looks really weird. Red or something. Soon he died. A co-worker, I think, says, are you going to the bell tonight? So the bell's going to be a big issue. In his apartment, he's practicing French. We see him get dressed. He has a nice car. All of these people have a nice car. They are young and have lots of money. Yeah. They do a drug that is eye drops into the eye. We're yep. going to see that a lot. They're all hooked on that. He goes in through a back door and they check him for weapons. He goes to talk to Susie, one of the workers there. So this is, I'm guessing, like a strip club slash brothel. 
She's already booked for the night. He's disappointed. On the way here, he's picked up Seth, who has this hover bike, rocket bike thing that he can't get to work. He fends it off. This guy who doesn't even seem to care about him. <laughs> Don't even look at my bike. But we also see on that ride in that Seth is floating a coin. And we hear all about the 10% of mutants and how they have this TK ability. But pretty much all they can do is float coins. This is the part to me that feels shoved in here and doesn't work quite as well. I mean, I know they wanted to get it in for the end of the film. Yes. But, and then, but then include it in the film. Make it part of the film, not just like a, an add-on. It's just like, it's just tacked on. Oh, by the way, people are telekinetic. They have telekinesis. All right. And then we'll just forget about it for the next half of the film. Yeah. I think that it needs to be introduced more that some people have this, but also see other people who are better trained? Do you think if this TK ability exists, again, authority figures, authority organizations would be having some of these people on staff and they would be using them to even do simple things like move a door latch on the other side so you don't have to break down the door or something. Yeah. See them unlocking a car door, you know, a locksmith. Yeah. I got locked out of my car. Use your TK. Boom. Yep. (laughs) Give me the money. I think things like that would make it feel like it's much more part of the world. It's not tacked on in the fact that it gets thrown in only five seconds at the end. Mm. No, it's throughout the movie, but... It's, it's, t- it's tacked on at the front of the film. That's what I mean. It's like it's yeah. tacked on at the beginning, and then the movie doesn't do anything with it and forgets about it and says, oh, remember that thing we did in the car where Paul Dano floated a coin? Oh, yeah, it's back now. And it's really, really, really important, by the way. It's like, oops, come on. Yeah, that's how I feel as well. At the bell, though, after we've had that whole Susie talk, we find out that Zack is with aid. Zack closed his loop today. So this is part of the contract. At the end of your time, you have to kill your older self and get a stack of gold bars. They celebrate, and then this is just going to become the montage, basically. There is a point where he's driving on this drug, and he nearly kills some kid in the street. Doesn't really seem to play into anything, though. Okay, you're shaking yeah, your head. Shaking head yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> okay. it's another, another nothing burger in the film. I think if they showed him saving a child at this point, that'd be something. If they showed him harming a child and not caring because he's so on drugs and so into his own world, that would be something. This is just, oh, he's dangerous because he's on this drug, I guess. Okay, so the montage. Joe doing looper work over and over again. Many talks of loops being closed. Suddenly, many of them are being closed. Mm -hmm. After that, the apartment. Joe looks tired. He's woken at night by some knocking. Seth is at the window, worried. We can already tell even before Joe gives us the voiceover of what's going on. Yeah, okay. So he failed to close his loop. But what happens is fantastic. Doesn't make sense. But it's fun to look at the first time. Yeah. We have the men in black, I guess, Abe's crew that will come. Of this, the only real face of the group is Kid Blue, who's an annoying character, but annoying on purpose. Yeah, I don't, I, again, I don't, I don't understand the comic relief part with him that much, but okay. Like, if we're going to do comedy as well, then throw him in. Yeah, the comedy worked really well for one moment, and the rest of it doesn't. It gets really bad towards everyone that were like chasing him to the cornfields and stuff like that. That's when it's just like, it's really, really silly. But I mean, the, the gunplay stuff where 
where he like messes up and almost drops the gun is is funny. Yeah, he's he's trying to be this hard man, but he's he's just a little kid. Yeah, see that part didn't make me laugh, yeah. but right after it did. But we need to get to this part first. Yeah. So yes, Seth didn't close this loop. He heard his future self singing a song he remembered from childhood. He lets the guy go. And now he doesn't know what to do. Abe's crew has come to kill him or take him in. Actually, take him in, we find out, is what Abe's plan is. Because the thing is, to remove somebody from history causes all sorts of problems. Mm -hmm. And I totally get that. Though, it feels like this would also cause some problems because of what they do to him. And maybe that's what you're talking about. Seth is hidden in a secret vault where Joe has been storing silver. I don't know why that's a problem. Abe makes it sound like, we know you've been hiding half your stash, but is that a problem? Yeah. He would have the money either way. Mm -hmm. Would you rather he have it in cash? Yeah, I guess he's just saying we know you've been stashing it, so we're going to take it. Yeah. He uses it as leverage. That's true. And Joe gives in to that as well Mm -hmm. because he doesn't want to lose that. That's everything he's worked for his whole future, I guess. That conversation between Abe and Joe is quite good. Yeah, yeah. I'm not even going to threaten you with physical violence, even though there's a hammer yeah. right here and on the he's table. Known, he's known for this, obviously, because yeah. he's like, you think I'm going to smash your hand with a hammer? Like, no, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to get what I want just from talking. Yeah. No, I like, I like Jeff Daniels in this. He's great. Yeah. Really good there. But again, what I wanted to know was, again, I would have loved to have seen who was he? Is he part of this crew? Is his future self part of this crew? team that he's got now like because i was going through the the film thinking maybe that kid blue is him from the future you know like and so that's why he's got this kind of fatherly thing for him but then he smashes his hand and he he doesn't have his own hand smashed so it's like okay so that's not but i thought that would have been just clever to have him to give hints at hey this is me but he can't really interact or, or know himself i can see that though i think it's a bit ruined by the fact that Kid Blue has a bad leg, which is right. something he says right after ah, the right, yeah. the part that really just made me laugh because he's threatening Joe. Right. Kid Blue has a gun aimed at him. The moment is finally over. He's starting to put it down and the door just swings out and <laughs> knocks him down. The gun fires. Yeah. And Abe says, you didn't shoot your other foot, did you? Right, yeah. So that's where I was pretty sure I didn't see Abe walking with a limp or anything. So I didn't ever have that, I think, enter into Mm. my thought. Do you think that that's the reason why they elevated the door off the ground just for that one gag? So they could hit him in the head with the door? It's possible. Because that door is like up some stairs, like a porter cabin going up. It's like, why is the door up there? I just don't understand. There's a lot of those kind of things in this movie I just don't understand. Yeah. And I guess you could just attribute it to, well, I guess this is the future. Mm. But yeah, some very odd choices. Stairs in the future. Yeah. (laughs) For a room that seems like it shouldn't need it. I mean, what is this room here that they're in the waiting room? It's a strange room in and of itself. Yeah. So he says, call the doctor. That's it, isn't it? That's the next part for Paul Dano's character, isn't it? Yeah, but also, let's talk about a couple other things. Abe says he's annoyed that everybody keeps wearing these ties. You're just... Oh, yeah. You're just doing stuff that people have done before. You think you're doing it new, but you're not. Why do you want to go to France? China. No, France. No, China. Trust me. Are from the future. Go to China. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I will say as well here, this is where we we get to see young Joe's, uh, what's his name? 
Jason Gordon-Levitt? Mm. Is it Jason? Joseph. Joseph. This is where we get to see Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Actually, act. I think he does a great job of impersonating Bruce Willis's mannerisms. He's really, he does it, he, he pulls it off quite well, I think. And the makeup that they've got on him is kind of good. They've got the Bruce Willis nose. I, I don't know. I, I'm glad they went with that rather than like CGI or something like that. Like, Especially in 2012. Yeah. However, I think it's completely unnecessary and I just find it distracting. Right. Yeah, it does get a bit weird, especially in the diner, but... I think the shots that are, say, here in this building look really good, but when he's out in the sunlight, mm. it doesn't look as good yeah. and it looks kind of strange. And I feel they've also... They've done a great job. Like, you don't see the seams or anything like that. Right. That is fantastic. But there are a couple problems I have, and some of those are personal peeves. One, we know what Bruce Willis looked like right. when he was 30 <laughs> years younger than that. Those were his moonlighting days. Yeah. Not the same. Mm -hmm. Also, I feel that the makeup sometimes, especially forehead eyebrow wise, limited some of the facial expressions mm -hmm. and at times took it away and put it into the uncanny valley for me where it looks like a human face, but there are things that don't seem to be quite working the way that they should yeah. or expressing the way that they should. And so I do feel like we've missed a little bit out on the performance because of that. And personally, I, I'm i one where I would rather suspend disbelief and know that Joseph Gordon-Levitt doesn't look exactly like Bruce Willis, but just assume he will become Bruce Willis. Mm. We don't really have to get into what has become the norm now of doing the CG to make the younger face or doing the CG to make sure that they match almost exactly. I don't think we really need that. I think if you're going to have the older actor play the same character younger, okay, de-aging, I'm somewhat okay with. But if you're going to have a different actor altogether play the younger version, my personal preference is just let them play it. Just go for it. Yeah, yeah. You have enough hair color I know that some other movies have done things where if there's one particular facial feature, a scar or something, that remains. That's really good for keeping things in tune in many ways, though sometimes I think it's overdone even in that case. Mm -hmm. But I think it'd be better. I think it's better for the actor to not have to do like the four makeup. Four or five hours of makeup every day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They definitely didn't give Paul Dano's older actor the same amount of makeup time. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you just, you just go in and do your thing. Yeah. But let's talk about him and what happens to him because, wow, um, things just start appearing like a scar, scar that tells him where to be and when. And he's trying to get on a train and get out, but he can't. And as he's there on the fence, fingers start disappearing. Right. And his nose disappears. So he tries to get there. And as he's getting there... Feet disappear. <laughs> feet disappear so he can't even control the car. They really didn't give him enough time to get there. No, it was like, get here now. It's like, well, I'm like 10 miles away. <laughs> like, But this is where my overthinking brain has trouble. Yes. It's such a cool idea. But if you're going to say removing a person is a problem because of time paradoxes, removing a huge part of a person is also a problem. And even imprisoning them is also a problem because you have taken them essentially out of their timeline. Mm -hmm. And also, you wouldn't see the scars appear real time. They would have always been there. So things wouldn't sudden... He would have arrived with no nose and no fingers. I'm willing to give them that one because they have changed time. This is a paradox. 
mm-hmm. where this didn't happen the first time through. And that's a big part of something that you have to rely on on this movie or you can't really enjoy it at all. Yeah. You have to assume that the future can be changed. Yeah. And so here, the future is being changed. He had all his fingers before because the first time things went right. Now, if you're saying that it never went right, then yes. But I think they're trying to say that something changed this time. Yeah. And they do that later on in the film where they show two different timelines with Bruce Willis. Exactly. And I think that that's what they're trying to lead at. I can see why it would be confusing at this part of the movie. But I think once we see that, then we can start to put that together Mm. and we can rely and I'm willing to say that the future can be changed. Otherwise, we're stuck in one of those movies where it's already happened and gives me that problem of, but what happened the first time? How did this loop become created? Right. This movie doesn't have that problem. And so I appreciate that. In the bell, Susie looks unhappy to have to work with or for Joe because Mm -hmm. Abe's offered him an hour on the house. She drugs him and she talks about something like obviously what he wants as a mother. He doesn't remember his mother. What he ends up settling for is just her running her fingers through his hair in a motherly fashion. That's kind of all he seems to really want. He doesn't really seem to want love here. He's willing to give her the silver he wasn't willing to save Seth with so that she could raise her kid. She turns it down because that always comes with strings. Yeah. In the apartment, Joe checks out his silver. There's blood on it. I think the silver here is also symbolic going back to Judas. Yeah. At work, Bruce Willis as old Joe. That's, I think even in the credits how he's credited. Old Joe has no bag. He's not tied down. He turns his back so that the blunderbuss shoots his back and just the gold. He's safe. He takes one of the bars and hits younger Joe. Fade to black. Cut to black, really. Joe wakes to a note that says he should run, hop a train, and get out of town. Back at the apartment, it's ransacked. There still seems to be some hidden money and some guns that he's pulling out. The silver is in a pile. Kid Blue and at least one or two other guys are here to collect all the silver. They're going to take it back. Which does lead me to think, is that how a lot of this works too? Do they keep funding it by... Yeah, just (laughs) stealing it back. Stealing it back. We do know, I don't know if we've mentioned this, Abe is actually from the future. I think I, I mentioned it in a line that he says, but that's the idea. He's about the only person who's been sent back by these crime families and organizations to be the head of the Looper organization. Yeah, keep tabs on everybody. So he is from the future. He has already said, don't mess with the time travel stuff like that'll mess your head. And he's gotten so bored that he's started his own crime organization, which feels like that would also affect the future. But I guess not in a way that those crime families care about, because if they did, they'd probably send somebody back. To whack him. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe he's giving some of his current money to them in the future somehow, and that keeps them happy. That's my filling in the gap for that, because otherwise I don't understand how he could do anything out of line and not suffer any repercussions. Yeah. And uh, again, me, I just wanted to see more of that. I wanted to see, like, how would he communicate with the future? Like, you'd have to have, like, a drop. Like, it would have to be a safe where he'd, like, write a note, like, everything's all right. Here's the day's takings, whatever. You leave that in a safe, and then you just leave it there for 30 years. And then the future crime family would open it and be like, okay, everything's going to according to plan. Like, I just wanted to see little bits like that. I don't know. That's me being picky. But like I said, I feel like a lot of missed opportunities in this film for being clever, where the movie 
just comes off as being a bit dumb in point. In point. But is, is this the point where we get to see the alternate timeline coming up? It's coming up, yeah. So Joe essentially is going to lock Kid Blue in his vault. After smashing his hand. Run. The other guy comes out shooting. He's going to fall from the fire escape. That's right. This is where we get the massive amount of montage of year one. Because we see the first life, I guess. The way it was supposed to be. The way it was supposed to be. The way it happened for old Joe. And the fact that he did close his loop. He started to travel. He visited all sorts of places like Shanghai. And basically... I mean, it looks like he burns through all of his money in 10 years and then just goes back to crime. That's, that's what that's what I got from it. Yes. It's like, it's like 10 years later, his, his money vault is empty and he's like, oh boy, here I go killing again. And also, did you know, did you know it's like, I think it's like the 10 year mark where it, he looks like Gary Oldman from The Fifth Element. He's got this weird, like, I don't know, you know, that, hair, that hairstyle thing, that plastic. I, I want to, you should put, got to put a picture side by side of these two shots, man, because I immediately just thought, did they borrow Gary Oldman's head? Like, wig for this? It's like, was it just lying around? <laughs> Maybe he's got it. Oh yeah, it was. He was in the. He was in Fifth Element with with Gary Oldman. Maybe maybe Gary Oldman lent it to him. I've got no idea, man. But that is from the Fifth Element. You can't tell me that's not Gary Oldman's headpiece. I'm gonna tell you, it's not. <laughs> Yeah, he's doing drive-by shootings. We get to the point where he meets his future wife. They flirt during a bar brawl. They fall in love. They get married. In year 30, we hear news of the Rainmaker, who I think we've heard about before now, but now we're really starting to get into it. The men in black arrive to take him. They burn the house down and prepare to end the loop. This is the montage of, like I said, the reality of how it happened the first time, because even this time around, I was a bit confused as to what was going on. I was like, wait, are you saying the first Joe we saw is not reality or something? Mm -hmm. I, I got a bit confused. No, no, no. This is how it should happen. And now he's coming back to change things. Because they shoot his wife. But it does bring up my first loop question of, well, this isn't the first. Old Joe is at least the second mm -hmm. because he shot his old Joe. So what did that old Joe do? And how has that been different? Because obviously he didn't put up a fight. Right. So we're back into a bit of my paradoxical, wait, but how did it happen the first time? Mm -hmm. Right. What was the first life? Yeah. And it, that kind of makes it like, I get it. Okay. Alternate timelines, but then it doesn't matter. Because in one of the timelines, she lives. So it's like, what, are you going to go through the multiverse to save every version of her? Come on. Get out of here. They, don't, they don't really do multiverse in this. And I kind of think that they don't want to with their don't think about it. But there's at least two. There's at least two. And so it doesn't matter. That's my point is it doesn't matter. Because in one of the universes, in, in one of them, she doesn't live. So really, who cares? So it boils down to, well, meh doesn't really matter and it should be about the Rainmaker but it's is and it isn't I don't know this movie is just it's daft in a way in our timeline old Joe robs a convenience store to get aspirin and mm -hmm. even steals the guy's coat he struggles with paradoxical memories this is a real issue for him as things change then he gets a new memory and apparently it's quite painful he tries to use memories to avoid Joe which to me is the interesting aspect of this story mm -hmm. 
What can younger Joe do to avoid old Joe remembering exactly what happened? Right. He actually watches Joe go into the apartment. He shoots one of the other members of the gang who is sitting in a car. And then he shoots the big guy at the top of the fire escape who was firing at Joe. However, in falling or perhaps running and getting shot, he loses part of his ear. So now both of them are missing part of their ear for the rest of the movie. Right. Abe tells crew to watch the train yard. They keep going to the train yard. Is it the only way out of town? <laughs> so, yeah, 2044, we only have trains. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Cars exist, but they all seem to want to go to the train. I mean, again, world building, the lack of it. It's like, maybe that's a way that you can hop time. Maybe in 2044, there's all eye recognition, like minority report stuff when you're driving your car through toll booths. But again, nothing is explained. It's like, just accept it. That's it. And I don't want to accept it. I'm sorry. It's like, I want you to tell me the story. Like, I'm interested. I'm interested in this world. That's what annoys me. If I didn't like the film, I wouldn't be this harsh on it. It's because I do like this film. I'm like, come on, you, you had so much chance to do something great with this and you kind of just flubbed it, you know? It's like so much missing. Yeah. But the problem here again is if younger Joe did run away, mm -hmm. he'd be doing a totally different life. So he wouldn't have met anyone or he would have met somebody totally different. It wouldn't have the same ending. Yeah, and that's again where they drop the ball is like with the, what's her name on the farm? Emily Blunt's character. Sarah. Sarah. It's like, because they talk about this in the diner where it's like, you'll meet someone, I'll just go meet someone else. Yes. And then, then she'll, then she'll live. But yeah. Bruce Willis is so hell bent on this weird revenge plot for this, this one timeline that he won't have it. But essentially that's what Young Joe does is he meets Sarah and she gets some rehab stuff. Yes. She, she rehabilitates him and it's like alright well let's do this but again the movie's like no we're not doing that <laughs> just come on man just just you keep making these plot points but then abandoning them right okay let's go ahead and skip ahead I mean there is a whole point where Kid Blue is desperate to prove himself as though Abe is his father figure and he needs to do something good for him but he just continually makes it worse yeah we see Old Joe has this number and he's trying to look it up. And how Sarah ever puts that together is an absolute mystery to me. Because, well, I mean, it's the birthday of the kid. And the medical code of the hospital he was born. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> birthday, maybe. Yeah. Maybe she had to fill out a thousand forms with that number on it or something. But that's a long, long series of numbers to put together. Yeah. I do like the diner scene, though, where we see them at odds in their conversation. Like you said, the younger version saying, well, I can just change it. And then she lives. No problem. But old Joe wants to stay with her. And as younger Joe will say later, I think the idea is if he fixes everything here, he just disappears as though he never had to come back in time and everything is fine. And he gets to be back with his wife again. But again, it's an alternate timeline that you created so you wouldn't... It's like, yeah, it's stupid. I know. It's dumb. And that's the problem. When you start thinking about the movie, it loses... It loses that. Yeah. I think the first time I let it wash over me, which for me is amazing. Yeah, because so that, that's usually what I do when we're having this conversation. Yeah. I'm the one that's just like, I'm just along for the ride. And I was the first time because... Like that's I said, the thing is, I, I feel did, like I, I must like have the first time just enjoyed what was happening mm -hmm. said this is an interesting take on time travel I like the world building of the first 20 minutes but then it just yeah here's where it really starts to fall apart but I I like the conversation. I like the performances here. I think this is quite good. The identical plates of food being served. Yeah. I do think it's almost funny, though, that Beatrix doesn't say, are you guys related? Yeah. <laughs> because she would have that familiarity with Joe. Mm -hmm. 
And she would be looking at them, and they obviously look say, very say, similar. Is this your dad? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> to say nothing seems stranger than to be rude and at least try. Mm-hmm. We get more exposition here about the Rainmaker. Mass executions, vagrant purges, the why it led to vagrant purges, I have no idea. It doesn't seem to fit. Again, don't think about it. The Rainmaker is the one closing all the loops, apparently. And it makes sense, because you'd be like, well, maybe someone will go back in time and kill me. But I think that's what they're going... That's never explained. It's not, but that's kind of the theory I was going with as well. Right. I want to make sure that I'm safe, so I'm going to close all the loops. Do you have to send them back to close the loop, though? Couldn't you just kill them in the future, and thus the loop is closed as well? <laughs> <laughs> and I think I think by this point, by about the halfway point in the film, I'd just given up. I'm like, well, if you're not going to think about it and try and explain it... And why should I? You know, it's like, just okay, whatever. Let's go. Yeah. They fight. Then Kid Blue's going to enter gunfight. Kind of a funny part where Joe runs out as well with them to try and shoot old Joe. And then as soon as old Joe has escaped, they all turn on yeah, younger they Joe. They just look, look at each other and go, oh, oh, it's me. Yeah, I'm yeah. out of here. Yeah. But there's a, there's a really funny point before this where, because Bruce Willis... He also has a, has a look with young Joe and he's like, oh no, you're not on my side. And he ducks behind a table or something like that. There's a bit, he shoots out a window to jump through it, but then he jumps through the other one. <laughs> it's like, it's so funny. It's like, yeah, he shoots out the window on the right and you're like, he, it's obvious that he's going to dive through that. But then the stunt double just crashes through the one on the left. It's, like, it's, it's so funny. I mean, it's totally unintentional. We're going to see Sarah chopping a stump by the farmhouse. Yes. This is one of the least effective ways to get rid of a stump. Top down. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) With a hand axe. I think that this is more symbolic than anything. Perhaps about how she is struggling to do the same thing over and over again and not making any progress. Mm -hmm. I'll give them that. It's okay. It's not done too much in the movie, but it is kind of weird. Yeah. Maybe it's just her way of getting out of the house and getting a bit of alone time. She smokes a fake cigarette. Don't know what that's about, because she's got cigarettes. It's not like she's quit, because she smokes one later, but... She wants to quit? Really, no. I've got no... I Because I, I had to rewind. I was like, did she just fake smoke a cigarette? Yeah. <laughs> we rewound it and watched that again. It's like, yeah, she did. Okay. She makes breakfast. She spots Joe in the cornfield. She takes her shotgun out and threatens him. We're going to see Abe smashing Kid Blue's hand for messing up. Mm-hmm. Kid Blue says, well, something along the lines of, I thought you'd be proud I tracked him. Mm. Oh, you want me to be proud that you messed up? (laughs) (laughs) We're going to see Sarah scared by a a tramp walking around with a sign on. Apparently this happens all the time, which is why she has the shotgun ready. Joe comes to her aid, but then he pukes. He's going through withdrawal. As you said, she's going to help him through that, mostly by just not giving him anything and... Cuffing him to a bench. Yeah. So I think he's pretty much just done that for the night. Is one night enough to start the process? I guess. A kid comes out of the house and gives him the water he's been begging for. The kid is Sid. So this is Sarah's kid. Sid, for some reason, just wants Joe to get better. Is he just a nice kid? I think that's the point. I mean... Is he just so desperate to have any sort of other person in his life? Because my impression is he's got Sarah and that's it. Yeah, he's homeschooled. Doesn't They live on a very, very isolated farm. Yeah. We see old Joe struggling with these new memories, trying to hang on to the memory of his wife that first time that they met. 
And so apparently this is how he's fighting through to keep those memories, despite the fact that the world is changing around him. Meanwhile, all of Abe's crew is out looking for him. I think he's down in a sewer, but they're above ground. As you said, Joe wakes up handcuffed to a cot. He's not intimidated by Sarah at all. What are you going to do? Shoot it in the air to scare me like you did with that tramp? Like, that's not going to work. And he refuses to leave. He wants to stay to protect the child, but he also wants to stay to close the loop. He knows because in that diner fight, he got part of the map. And so he says, is this your house? Mm -hmm. If so... I can stay. I can stay mostly in the fields. I don't have to bother you, but I have to be here because he knows old Joe is coming. And this is the only place he knows that old Joe is coming. Yeah. How do the other people know where he's going? Because they capture old Joe when he goes to kill one of the the, the Rainmaker candidates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did they know? Which house it was? Okay, well, let's (laughs) get to that later. Is that explained? uh, Sammy explained. Okay. I forget why. She gets upset with him. She shoots him with rock salt. I think because of the number. She's like, how do you know that number? Because he's like, you recognize that number? Okay. Blamo. That is at least old Joe having the scars from that. Joe tries to tell her about time travel, but Sarah is familiar with loopers. Though I'm not sure that that's quite explained. Was she just part of that world? Was she perhaps working at the bell at one it point? It sounds like she was, because this because that's the whole point of the story with the kid, isn't it? The kid's like, you're not my mother, because he doesn't know any better. But she was once into drugs and working in clubs, and she didn't want to take care of her son, so she dropped her off with her sister. But then she came back, and so she is her mother. And I like that. That's kind of like a interesting way to have that dynamic but yeah i think i think so maybe maybe that is but again not explained in the film here is where joe is going to explain that he feels old joe is trying to kill the rainmaker as a kid while he can Mm -hmm. sort of terminator-esque yeah (laughs) yeah as i said before the number is sid's birthday and the medical code of the hospital there were three kids born that day so that's the three pictures we saw before and the three that old joe is going to go after we see old joe fire a gun right after this at a kid he cries there's the memory of his wife younger joe plans to burn the field and prevent old joe sneaking in but sarah needs the income so she's like no you can't do that even though he's not supposed to sarah has forbidden him from talking to sid he of course is going to and at night sid wakes joe takes him to the kitchen because Joe had asked about any sort of walkie-talkie communication device in front of us is in danger. Sid adds a bigger battery, which makes the signal stronger for these frogs, which I don't think is how science works. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm on the fence for that one too. But now they have this frog warning system, Mm. which gets used, but almost never in the way it's intended. Yeah. Sid says he wants to stop bad things from happening. As you said, he thinks that his mother died, but that was actually his aunt. Yes. But he couldn't stop the bad things from happening, so he wants to stop the bad things from happening. Yeah. Which I like a lot, but from what we're told of the Rainmaker, he makes a lot of bad things happen. He is the bad thing. Yeah. It isn't just that the Rainmaker is taking out all the crimes. When you're talking about mass executions and killing vagrants, that doesn't sound good. No. I think it would have been better to say that he's just a danger to anyone who's ever been involved with this looping crime. Sure. That, to me, would have worked better. Mm -hmm. Yep. Otherwise, the motivation feels very weird, and there's a huge disconnect between those two. Yeah, it's like, you grazed my cheek and you killed my mom. I'm going to commit genocide. We get 
a montage of old Joe on the run. Joe pretends he made the frog device, but Sarah isn't buying it for even a second. And so this is where we get the true backstory of what happened behind Sarah, her younger life, and abandoning Sid for a while. Mm -hmm. There's a kind of funny and scary part where Sarah is trying to get Sid to work on his multiplication tables, and he is cleverly and stubbornly refusing to give the right answer. I'm so bad at maths, I thought that was the right answer. (laughs) (laughs) But eventually leads to him having a temper tantrum, which for him is very dangerous to the world around it. Well, TK is back in the movie now. Yes. She hides in a safe, and then they have a tender moment where they both apologize. Mm -hmm. That is very sweet. Old Joe sees Susie. Her kid is one of the possible rainmakers. Mm -hmm. And he recognizes her and he's very upset by this. It's now somebody he's familiar with, which is harder to deal with. Ah, that's why it makes sense. Okay. So it was completely by accident then that they caught him because they thought he would be going to Susie's. Yes. Not not because they had that as a rainmaker candidate. Right. I didn't didn't recognize that it was Susie, to be honest. I thought there was just some woman coming home from work. No, that's why. Ah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's my fault. My mistake. That makes sense. And also, Kid Blue gets to see surveillance. Right. And so he spots old Joe hanging around there. Right. Okay. Well, that that makes that makes sense then. I mean, he he probably wouldn't. He probably wouldn't recognize old Joe. Though. Oh no, he would. He was. He was in the diner. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, the whole thing why they even went to Susie's now makes more sense because if you were gonna hide out, you'd try and hide out with someone that you trust. Okay. Fair play. A man in black, who I think is called Jesse. I like this guy. This guy was from a TV show that I watched. I'm, th- I'm pretty sure he was in a TV show called The, the 4400, which was cancelled, tragically. And it's all about superpowers and stuff like that. It's a p- pretty good show. Like a kind of mid-budget show. But I like this guy's character. And I like this scene. And if you look into why this scene is in there, Ryan Johnson supposedly used Akira as his template for this the whole telekinesis stuff because this bit is straight out of Akira this, the, not this the scene with him harassing her but what happens to him ah uh, okay yeah yeah so he comes in he wants a drink of water he's very insistent Sid is going to be able to sneak Joe into the secret tunnel that I guess his grandfather built mm-hmm. and then Joe ruins the secret tunnel by opening the door at the end really quickly and knocking all the grass off of it yeah it's like oh he's gone he's like he's only just left <laughs> <laughs> I'd be staying in that tunnel for at least another hour. And then the movie stops dead for me, momentum-wise, because there's this scene where Sarah wants sex, and so she uses the frog to bring Joe up, and then she has this whole speech here. I don't like this at all, and it just totally, for me, ruins the pacing of the movie. But it at least kind of explains she's special, she's got telekinesis, but she can move more than just a coin. So she's more powerful, and her son is even more more powerful. powerful. And his kid will probably be even more powerful. Yeah. Yeah, that's possible, but we could have done that in a way that worked better. He could have caught her using the TK when she didn't realize he was in the room. She could have used it to, there's a bit where she's looking at the shotgun, she could have like, you know, force pulled the shotgun into her hand or something like that, you know, anything. Maybe Ryan Johnson thought, you know what this needs? We need a sex scene. <laughs> Let's just Yeah, but we don't even really have that. No. I think it's probably to lead to this love story to me that doesn't really work between Sarah and the younger version of Joe. The way it's meant to mirror what happened with older Joe and his wife. That's what I was thinking. That's what I wrote down in my notes. I was like, I feel like this was the movie, but this should have been the movie, but it's not. It's, it's not about how they get together and solve the world's problems. In 
the morning, Joe goes downstairs. Sarah's being held hostage by Jesse. Sid falls down the stairs. And I guess any time he falls or hurts himself, goes absolutely explosive. Yeah, yeah. He blames that guy for it. Yeah, and... But I did like this part, how it looks like young Joe's running to catch the kid. And then Sarah comes, almost like she's going to catch the kid. But no, she's like, rugby tackles him out of the house because she knows what's going to happen next. Yeah, and thus why he's called the Rainmaker, because he makes the sky rain blood with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And in fact, we find out Sarah's sister died because Sid fell off of a bookcase and he unleashed one of these explosions. Right. Joe says, well, I understand now this kid's got to go. That's dangerous. <laughs> yeah. I just saw that. Sarah argues that Sid can learn to use his powers for good. Wouldn't it be great to have a superhero? Mm. But Joe knows a bit more information about where this kid is headed. Like I said, the stories he's been told are really awful. Mm. And I, think, I think his exact line is, but he doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> then, however, though, he goes into the field. He sees the kid is very upset over what happened and comforts him instead. Decides nope. maybe he isn't bad deep down and he could learn to use his powers for good. Again, you know the future. It's like, okay, we're into now changing timelines for that. Fair enough. Don't think about it, Darren. <laughs> Joe knows that old Joe will remember everything that's happened now, and thus she must get in a truck and just go. Yeah. The way he tells her to go north, I don't know. He shouldn't know where she's going at all. That would be the better. Yeah. <laughs> north at least gives old Joe a direction to head in. Kid Blue brings old Joe back to the base. Old Joe just destroys all of them. Yeah. <laughs> because he's Bruce Willis. <laughs> yeah. I'm okay with this. It's fun. I'll let it slide. Yeah, me too. It seems highly unplausible, especially with just some of the shots and some of the action here. Mm -hmm. Just feels like he should have been shot. Yeah, let's take him into the room full of guns. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Old Joe's going to appear on the road in this tiny truck. Yeah, a little smart car. <laughs> yeah. Now, what I didn't realize is it's got all the gold in the back. He just throws one gold bar. Mm. Like, well, that's that's nice, but it's not the same. But all the gold we'll find later is actually in the truck. He just says, take this truck, go. Mm. And Joe's not having it. But it doesn't really matter because the worst shot of the whole movie is this hover bike coming Awkward. in. Awkward jousting moment, man. <laughs> and... Just coincidentally here, how did he find him? I guess maybe he tracked it. But Kid Blue's the only one who survived. He knocks over Young Joe. Young Joe creates a smoke screen of dust by shooting at the road. And Kid Blue just slowly goes through it, ready to get shot, rather than taking a chance to go through quickly and knocking him over or something. Nothing about the scene makes sense. The CG for the bike looks terrible. It looks like something out of the pod racing from the like the prequels. That was better than this. It was better. Yeah, yeah. I, I got in my notes. It's like some kind of like maybe maybe speeder bikes from Jedi. Then that's what that's what this looks like. But even that was better. This, this looks terrible, this man. It's so bad. <laughs> Here's a question I have for you. How many shots does this blunderbuss have? <laughs> Lots. Yes. Yeah. I don't think so. No. That's not the idea of a blunderbuss or even a shotgun. Even the military ones that we often play in first-person shooters, they have like six. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, they've already established it when he goes to shoot old Bruce Willis because he shoots... It hits him in the gold, and then he's immediately trying to reload. So it's one shot. Unless he took 
an unloaded weapon. Like, do you don't you load it up fully before your loop comes in? Your mark comes in. You got to kill it just in case you miss. I feel that's quite inconsistent. The handgun that Old Joe has also seems to have a ridiculous amount of shots, it's cr- and it's also comically huge. It's like <laughs> one of those guns from like Wile E. Coyote or something like that. It's just this gigantic. It's like the gun that the Joker pulls out in the original Batman. <laughs> it's not that bad, but you get my picture. Old Joe's going to shoot at Sarah and Sid as they're driving in the truck. Sid flips the truck. Oh, yeah, because he's freaking out. I guess, yeah. I'll give you that, but it seems weird. Why not just do like an E.T. and fly over? (laughs) (laughs) Or aim it in some way. It seems weird that the truck would flip like that. It seems that the power he has radiates out from him. Mm -hmm. So it more seems like the whole thing should hop. Sure. Or crush or be blown out in some way. Mm -hmm. But to just flip like that is just weird. Don't think about it. That's going to be the title for this this (laughs) thing, man, when it goes up on YouTube and and on the podcast. Don't think about it. Looper, don't think about it. They try to run really far in the open field to get away. Sarah falls and then Old Joe is going to shoot. Like you said, I think he gets Sid in the cheek. Grazes him, yep. We're going to have super explosion here, which is also going to knock out younger Joe, who just happens to be around. He's just limping around, yep. (laughs) No, I think he's in the the small truck, right? Which is why all the gold is spilled out at the end. The movie stops to tell us that Joe sees a mother who would die for her son, a man who would die for his wife, and an angry, alone boy, and the circular path he's going to lead to always become the rainmaker. He gets on that train, though. He's the only one in the movie that manages to hop the train. (laughs) (laughs) But I guess this is what they're trying to say, is that in some way, he's always destined to be the Rainmaker. Right. And that nothing they've done is going to stop that. Even though the film has consistently tried to tell us, oh, but he can be good if we change the timeline, and you're waiting for that to happen, and it doesn't. Well, but I think that's the point. And this is where it is somewhat clever, because yes, we we have been led to believe that Sid can grow up to be good. There's mm-hmm. the possibility. But... In this moment, old Joe kills his mother. It's likely not going to happen that he's going to be good. He's going to be bad again. Right. So, somewhat clever here, Joe shoots himself. Closes his own loop on himself. Yep, I like that. And that fixes the problem. However, (laughs) it's going to lead to a couple of other problems. Let's get to the tail end here, though, where basically the truck had the gold in it. I guess Sarah is rich now, but old Joe disappears, so he never showed up. So, what? (laughs) That's a big problem here for me. Because if young Joe closed his loop, then Sarah and Sid shouldn't even be out here in this field. Nope. They should also have immediately transported back to doing math in his bedroom or something. Yeah. The we, gold never should have existed. But at the same time, it's like, but this is the, this is like the alternate timeline. So this all did happen. Like the same reason why your fingers suddenly fall off and scars slowly appear on your arm in real time. It's like, I guess you just, I mean, at this point, I'm just going with it. It's like, okay, whatever. This all happened in this timeline. Like they created this new timeline of, of nonsense. See, I'm not even going to go with alternate worlds because they didn't, and I'm not even going to give them that. I'm going to... Well, if you, can't, if you can't give them that, then the, then the no. entire movie doesn't make sense then. No, I would say that it's not 
Uh, well, let me rephrase that, perhaps. Other dimensions I'm not going to give you. Right, sure. I'm going to say that in this world, mm-hmm. there's one timeline, right. and that's what we need to stick with. Mm-hmm. So, if you change this timeline, something affects this one. We're not creating alternate branching. Sure. There's no multiverse here. Yeah. This is just this one. No, no, it that, that's what I want to stick It to. doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. Well, I'm okay with that because I think once you start getting into the infinite possibilities, if you can really think about that, then it doesn't need to happen at all. She's alive somewhere else. And that leads more into he would want to just go find. But I mean, it, I mean, if you do think about it, it does kind of make sense. So in Bruce, let's just call it timeline A and B. In Bruce Willis's timeline where his wife is killed. Yes. He, but he doesn't come back to his own timeline. He comes back into this one, right? And so... Yeah, but see, that's where I just feel like with this movie, I don't think that that works. No, because they're creating alternate worlds. Because they've not thought about it either. So it's like, if you're not going to think about it, then why should I? Exactly. It's like, just, just, okay. I I just have to accept it. But even within the rules of this movie, if we stick to there's only one timeline and only one plane of existence, we still have the problems of Joe as his older self goes hunting these children well once he knows that it doesn't work for the first kid that should change everything and he should never go after that first kid Mm -hmm. same with the second right once he knows who the rainmaker actually is everything should be changed so that he never goes to kill the other kid just come right here yeah so it should be constantly evolving and I don't feel that that's what's happening. It happens physically with scars and those kind of things. But Sarah and Sid are still left out in the middle of a field that they shouldn't be. Old Joe still killed those other kids and he didn't need to. And the Rainmaker still killed his own aunt. So that's And he's still deeply distraught by that. So it's like, yeah, he's still a bad kid. That was my final note there is we don't know that Sid grows up to be good. How do we know that? No. And they should, maybe in another edit they've got like a nice happy ending but maybe it didn't go down well with test audiences or something like that so they took it out. I've got no idea but there's no closure to the film. So did it work? Just figure that out yourself. It's like no, I don't want to. Done enough trying to figure this stupid film out. <laughs> and that's the thing. And it's a real shame because I remember liking this movie. But again, what I remembered was maybe the first 20, 30 minutes. Yeah. I didn't remember anything about the TK stuff. And that's such a huge part of the movie. It's the whole second half of the movie, essentially. Yeah, but it does feel like two films smashed together because that doesn't show up until 50 minutes in. The, the Rainmaker stuff. And it's like, wow, we went a whole half of the film not knowing anything about this. And now we've got this other half of a film. And it's like there are two different films that they've, that they've just kind of smashed together. I don't know. It's, it's just weird. A, a weird choice. I just, I don't know. Honestly, I'm no, I'm no artist. I'm no writer. But to me, this is just poorly written. It's like, it's just badly written. It doesn't make sense. And yeah, it's like, he's asking you, don't think about it. Just, ooh, ooh, look at this. Bruce Willis is a time traveling maniac. It's like, just don't think about it. It's like, yeah, okay. But that's not why I want to watch a time travel film, you know? I mean, I'm not saying every time travel film has to be primer or predestination or whatever. So it's like, yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. So I did, I did go into this film like you did the first time, just going like, yeah, that was fun. But now I'm like saying, young Joe, young me is saying, yeah, watch this film. But old me is saying, don't watch this film. <laughs> you know, it's like, I've got two, it's weird. I've never really felt this way about a film where I've, I've been so into it the first time and then so against it the second time. But it's like, that's maybe what 11 years does to you. Ultimately, I was glad I watched it the first time. And the second time, there's some good things. There's still some fun moments. But I went into this expecting to want to see it again and to want to watch it multiple times to get ready for this episode. And I didn't. 
So I don't know. It's a tough thing when the nostalgia glasses are torn away, I suppose. Yeah, it's like, it's like I feel bad for watching it again. It's like I wish I just had it in my memory of like, yeah, Looper was pretty good. Shame. Gaps for the more gaps created. But it's like that's maybe what 11 years does to you. 12. Told you I was bad at maths. No, actually, I think it is 11. Is it 11? By the time this this comes out, it'll probably be 12. It'll be 12, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can cut all that stuff out anyway.